0: Um, Take your Bibles and really turn to Proverbs chapter 26, Proverbs chapter 26 of your guests here this morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Um, We're a church that believes in uh, the fullness of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that these two great streams we embrace of the person of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, which we're going to study together in just a moment, and the Spirit of God. And so hopefully you've been blessed by that already. Uh, So we want to look at God's Word together. For those of you, again, who are new to fullness, we start the new year every year as we have for the last 29, coming on 30 years, with 21 days of fasting and prayer. Really, we call it prayer and fasting. And we start technically tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., here in the sanctuary, 6 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday, we'll be here praying, and then at 9 o'clock on Saturdays, we let you sleep in on Saturdays. So, uh, 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings, uh, come and join us. It's it's an hour long time of prayer. We'll be doing this for 21 days, and God moves in spectacular ways in our lives. But this morning, I want to talk about why why do you do this thing called fasting and prayer. Why, why do we even bother with these spiritual disciplines? Fasting, to some people, sounds so antiquated. It sounds so old um, that it, it, it doesn't make much... It, to our modern sensibilities, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, last week, if you weren't here um, on Christmas Day, I, I understand you were family. I, I did a children's sermon and uh, where I had the kids um, come to the front and... Uh, a suit with me and I, I got in this tradition of wearing this stupid suit on when there's a Christmas a Christmas morning and uh, Jeanette sent me this picture and I, I was like I, I don't know if you've heard this before but they're the, the the saying that like when you're little you believe in Santa and then there comes a time when you don't believe in Santa and then there comes a time when you you are Santa And then there comes a time where you look like Santa. I I understand the stage of life that I'm in uh, after looking at this picture. I understand where where I've progressed. You know, I have this mental image of myself that is in no longer, it's no longer in tune with the reality of uh, where I am. And so for us, I think a lot of us, we need to understand where we are. We we need to understand who we are. And so over the years, I've preached this sermon, and I traditionally preach this sermon, the first Sunday of every new year, and it's this idea that we, not an idea, it's this truth that we need to wake up, that we get lulled into sleep. Uh, And let me just back Up a little bit and get a running start into it so that you understand this whole idea of prayer and fasting why we do it and how it's going to help us in in the days ahead in Corinthians um, God Paul speaking says this thanks be to God for his indescribable gift Uh, what is that gift that is the gift of Jesus it's in, he's indescribable. This gift of grace, this gift of life, this gift of love, the gr- gift of the incarnate God coming as a human. And, and God has made it clear that it's because of his love for us that he did this. For God so loved the world that he gave this indescribable gift, as Jesus said. But sometimes, like many gifts... When we receive them over time, they're, they're really excited. We're excited at the start. We, we had our grandkids with us um, on Christmas Day. And it's so fun to watch them open a gift. I mean, they're just so, I, I, I can't believe it. This is the best thing ever. I mean, you hear words like that, and 15 minutes later, it's gone. You know you know what I mean? That, that gift is moved on. It's like, what's next? What's the next gift? And then they end up playing with a, you know, paper towel roll the rest of the day. So they have this great gift. But we're like that. We've received this indescribable, unbelievable gift of grace and, and life in Jesus. And then we start to move forward in our faith. And if we're not careful, we, we, we fall asleep to the greatness of this gift. We fall asleep to who God has given us. Or if we're hyper-spiritual in the Christian world, we start saying, well, you know, Jesus was good, but now let's move forward and find out what more there is. As if there's something more than Jesus. As if the Christian life is incomplete because all we have is Jesus. There is nothing more than Jesus. I mean, he is everything to us. And he gives us everything that we need. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And honestly, it's found in the person of Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, we receive the person of the Holy Spirit. We receive life. We receive freedom. But if we're not careful, we fall asleep to this reality in our lives. So what we need to do I sense, and Jesus says this as well, is we need to actively, in prayer, pursue God. And at the same time, we need to deny ourselves some of the stuff that's in our lives that makes us fall asleep. Uh, These two things are part of the spiritual disciplines of our lives. So this is the whole idea of prayer actively pursuing and fasting denying our bodies things that look i, I we've, there's never been an age i think in historical standards and times where everything you could possibly desire for your flesh can be found somewhere and you can feed your flesh constantly entertainment Food, comfort, ideas that you want to agree with. you may know this, some of you. I, we, my family just went on a trip to, um, uh, to South Africa, and it's like a 16 hour plane ride, nonstop, from Atlanta to South Africa. It, it, it's the longest tinking plane ride. I, I, I mean, you can watch think about this. You can sleep eight hours watch four movies, and still have hours left to yourself. That's how long you're on this plane. So um, I download a couple of things I want to watch, a couple of shows I want to watch on my iPad. So I've got movies in front of me. i got movies on my iPad. i got... I got Wi-Fi on the plane telling me all sorts of stuff. I mean, at 40,000 feet in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, you can still get everything you could possibly imagine. Nowhere in this world can you go where you can't feed your flesh. And what happens when we feed our flesh over and over and over again, it starts to cry out, feed me more. That's not enough. Give me more. I want more. And even as followers of Jesus Christ, we have this this stuff in our lives. that's just saying, feed me, feed me, like a little shop of horrors, feed me, see more. I just want more. What fasting does, it says to your body and soul, really, you're not in control of me. You don't, you're not in charge of me. Instead, I belong to the living God. And I'm going to reorient my life so that I can hear from him. Rather than just feeding the flesh, flea, feeding my desires, I'm going to reorient my life so that what really matters, this indescribable gift that God has given to us, we can hear from. Just as an example of this, remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is—he's uh, praying. You know, it, talk about mountaintop highs, literally. You know, Moses, Elijah, Jesus. His disciple, couple of disciples are there. He comes down from the man of, Mount of Transfiguration into a scene of chaos, where his disciples are trying to cast a demon out of a boy, who. And and they're not being successful. The boy's throwing himself in the fire. Now the religious leaders are there. They're making fun of the disciples about why they can't do this. That They really don't have any power. There's this discussion breaking out. It is a scene of chaos, of unbelief on all sides. And Jesus, from the Mount of Transfiguration, wanders into this. And he says to them, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Who is Jesus talking to? Well, you're like, oh, well, that's for the religious leaders. and No, he's, he's talking to everybody, including his own disciples. What is he saying? You don't have enough of what you need, you're unbelieving, and you have too much of what the world wants to give you, you're perverse. Do you understand? In other words, the idea of prayer and fasting Actively engaged in God, with God and denying of yourself. He, he speaks this to them. Seek after God because you don't have enough of this and give up some of this because you're perverse. And he goes on to them and they want to know why they couldn't do it. And he says this kind can come out only by how? Prayer and fasting. Active and at the same time denying yourself belief, purity. That's why we do prayer and fasting. This is the call on us because over time we all have a tendency to go towards our flesh. Over and over again we see this historically. Even some of the greatest what we call spiritual leaders. If, if you don't so actively engage, if you don't separate yourself from the world, if you don't do something to pray and fast, seek after God, you have a tendency to kind of prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You sang that this morning. Why? Because you're prone to wander. I mean, just... Look around the room. Go ahead. You can look at everybody. They're all prone to wander. Everybody you're looking at, and everybody's looking at you. Why? Because we're all prone to wander. That's the nature of the generation, the time in which we live. And and we can, without even knowing it, fall asleep. (laughs) Again, coming back from this trip, um, uh, my whole family was jet-lagged. So I've never seen, you know, my 20-something-year-old children just fall asleep in the middle of the floor at 7 p.m. at night. You know, usually that's me. I'm in the chair out, and they're, like, just getting started at 7 o'clock. But they're, like, out everywhere. And I I went to bed one night with two of my children, one asleep on the floor, one asleep on a couch. And I think one of them said, I woke up at, like, 3 o'clock, and no one was there. In the morning, I woke up at 3 a.m. and everybody was gone. You know, you can fall asleep without even knowing it. And what prayer fasting helps you do is to come out of that, to help you realize what is going on. Uh, R.T. Kendall says this. There are three characteristics of being asleep. One is that you don't know that uh, you're asleep until you wake up. You know, you don't even know you're asleep. The second is you dream about doing things that you would not do otherwise if you were awake. And, I don't know about you, but I, I hate the sound of the alarm that wakes us up. This is the same thing spiritually. We don't know many times that we're spiritually asleep. And when we're spiritually asleep, we start thinking about doing things that we would not do if we were really awake spiritually and generally we hate the sound of somebody saying come back to God wake up but in our lives this is what prayer and fasting fasting can do this whole series on prayer and fasting that we're doing it this this the theme for this year is freedom freedom in the Lord uh, freedom not to sin, freedom to pursue God, freedom to see His destiny for us fulfilled, and, and and one of the things I'm convinced of is that even though we're saved and even though we're going to heaven, there are many followers of Jesus Christ who are not walking in the freedom that God has gifted them with. They're they're burdened, they're in chains in ways of thinking, or financially, or in life, or in some other way. Maybe it's their past, things that have been done to them, uh, things they've done to themselves. The list is endless. And and Paul, uh, in in kind of a different discussion, but he, he, he states this truth that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I understand Paul's context here. He's talking about the law. Don't don't let him. But I think there's a general principle here as well to understand that anything that tries to enslave you, you can only serve, you can't serve two masters, as Jesus said. You can only serve one, right? So don't let a second master try to enslave you. Instead, walk in the freedom that Christ procured on your behalf by going to the cross and dying for you. Ask yourself, am I walking in this freedom? Or are there things that are burdening me down? Now, Paul earlier had said to the the Galatian church, hey, who has bewitched you? Who is it that's bewitched you? And, And to me, that's that idea of who's put you to sleep? Who's put you under this spell? Galatian church, it's time to wake up. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, be active. Stand firm. And deny. Do not submit yourselves. Again, these two, I think, truths that are being said over and over. You want to walk in freedom? Stand in what God has done for you. And don't. Submit to the things around you. Hey. this is By the way. This is really good preaching. Uh, so you should write some of this down. I think some of it. If we would walk in it. It would change my life. If I actually got a hold of this truth. Of how to walk in him. Paul says this. Also in Romans. And do this. Understanding the present time. The hour has come. For you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's walk, he's talking to believers. And he says, "Hey, it's time to wake up, church. It is time for us to be who God has called us to be, to walk in freedom." I know I'm putting a lot of passages together, but there is this theme that the church is more than it knows, more than it has woken up to. So now is the time to wake up. That's what this time of fasting and prayer is for, to understand that it's freedom. Now, I'm going to preach next week specifically on fasting from Isaiah, what is a true fast. I'll talk a little more specifically about fasting next week. But however you want to frame it, fasting is the denial of something in your life that you feed yourself with now most of the time it's food and I want to encourage you to engage in a time of fasting not just from food though but because it may be anything in your life that's feeding you so let's say you um, are overfeeding yourself on social media fast from social media fast from the news wouldn't be bad nothing good's happening out there anyways so um, fast from the news fast from uh, entertainment, fast from sports, God forbid, Uh, fast from food, fast from just whatever it is that in some way may be overstimulating, overfeeding. For the next 21 days, I'm asking you to seek God about what it is that I can give up. Now, listen, to me, fasting never stands alone, right? Fast... I said, right, like you're going to agree with me. Fast never stands alone. You're supposed to do something in the place of what you're giving up. In other words, you're, you're not on social media. So what do I do with all this time? I don't have a social media. Here's the idea. Pray. Seek after God. Let him feed your soul rather than talk-tick. Um and, and let it, let it uh, really bless you. I know it's TikTok. I'm being stupid. I've got 20-somethings in my house. (laughs) Whatever it is, feeding your soul. Give it up for a period of time. And instead, seek after God. Because I believe great things will happen. Come to morning prayer at 6 a.m. If you can't get here into this building, we're going to live stream prayer every morning. Because I know some of you live a little ways out. And so it's a little hard to get here at 6 a.m. Tune in. Join with us. We have a prayer guide for you to... um, They're at the back on the table. Take a prayer guide. We'll be emailing you also the night before the next morning's prayer. Join with us, even if you can't get there at 6. Together, as the body of Christ, I want to encourage you. We're going to fast. We're going to deny. And we're going to seek. We're going to engage with God during these days ahead. So join us as we do. And let's just see what God will do. Every year I'm amazed at what God does. Most of the time what God does is stuff in my own life where, where I'm like seeking after God and I, I want to hear from him about something spectacular. And instead what happens is the junk of my life just comes to the surface that I didn't even know was there. The things, the, the sin, the ways of thinking, the, the, the dross, so to speak, comes to the surface so that it can be exposed and dealt with. And that's why I preach this sermon each year on waking up. And you were wondering, is he ever going to get to Proverbs? <laughs> I'm there. Proverbs 60, uh, 26. Here's three different ideas from the book of Proverbs that I think will help us. Things that, that have put us to sleep. Things that have, have, are a danger for us. And, that, and I'll move through them relatively quickly. Um, we'll see what relative means today. Number one, wake up to the call for diligence. Wake up to the call for diligence. Here's what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14. He says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Now, what we're going to do this morning for the remainder of our time, we're going to look at the sluggard, someone who's asleep, someone who won't get out of bed, someone who won't leave their house, someone who's just imprisoned and asleep, and characteristics of them that we need to avoid so here's the first one as the door turns on its hinges so a sluggard turns on his bed this is the picture of someone who has ceased to be diligent in their life you know a, you know a door is on its hinges and it just goes back and forth back and forth but it never goes anywhere it's just there the idea of the sluggard on his bed. He's just flipping back and forth. He's, he's, he's staying in bed. He, he's basically saying, I, I don't care. I don't, I, don't, I don't care about the world. I'm just going to stay in my bed. Many times what happens in the life of believers is we start off passionate, and then over time passion wanes, and really what happens is we just quit being diligent. We stop it. And that's when the enemy, I believe, is ready to attack us. We're not paying attention to what's going on. I I was talking to my kids this week about some issues, not with them, but in someone I know, and some terrible things that have happened, sin that was just unbelievable to me. And I said to them, this phrase I've used over and over here is this. I've never never met someone who woke up and said, today is the day I'm going to ruin my life. You know what I mean? They didn't they didn't just fall into ruination. They didn't just that morning say, "This is it. I'm going to destroy my life today." No, what happened is at some point in their life they ceased to be diligent. They quit being diligent. And so step by step, by step, things just become more comfortable to them until eventually they reach a place where their life is decimated. It's ruined. And so I, I believe that one of the things, and that's the slugger, it it's, it's laziness, it's, asleep. it's being asleep, we need to wake up to this call that we need to remain diligent all the time. Paul, uh, or the author of Hebrews, whoever it might be, says this, we want each of you to show this same, what? Diligence. Diligence to the very end. Well, when is that? Well, that's at the very end. Are you at the very end? Not yet, but stay diligent to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Again, if you'll stay with these passages, you'll see this the combination of engagement and denial over and over again that will help us stay diligent. We need this diligence in our lives and I want to encourage you to wake up to the call for diligence Jesus when he prays with his disciples you know he he goes and prays and he says why are you sleeping get up and pray so that you will not what hello Why why was he saying these are his closest guys and he's talking to them about why they couldn't pray with him in the garden for one hour and he's saying hey wake up why? You need to stay diligent. Why? So you won't fall into temptation. It's where we are for many of us. Wake up to the call for diligence. Second point is this. Wake up to the command for action. It's one thing to stay diligent, stay alert, and it's another to actually act upon it, to call for action. Here's the sluggard again in verse uh, 15. 15 in Proverbs 26, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, he will not even bring it back to his mouth. I mean this is a very graphic picture. Boom. Hand in the food. Uh, I don't think I've got enough energy to pull that stuff up here. You know it's just like I don't know why he talks Southern the sluggard, but <laughs> you know he just he can't he can't get it. He can't get the he's too lazy to act. Upon what is there. Hey, church, you have the feasts of God laid before you. Right there. And God is saying, bring it. E- eat of me. Taste of me. Drink from the fountain of life. But there is in every one of those commands a call for action. Eat. Drink. Drink taste. You know, it's not as if God is force-feeding you this. He's saying you, I'm, it's there for you, but you have to act upon it. For many of us, we need to wake up to the command for action. Um, the example of Jonah, you know, Jonah was the, uh, call him reluctant prophet. Uh, I'll call him disobedient, rebellious, racist whatever you want to call him he gets his command to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel the word of God comes to him and says hey Jonah go to Nineveh the great city cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me what what does Jonah say if I go and preach I know this God they're going to repent he's going to forgive them they're going to he's going to I'd rather I'm going to I'm not going to do it I'd rather they die Then me go and preach. This is my interpretation. So he runs away. I I don't think it was Jonah. Some people talk about Jonah being scared to go to Nineveh. No, Jonah hated them Ninevites. He didn't want him to repent. And instead, he runs away. So he gets on a boat, sails away as if God can't find him. His view of God is big on the repentance part, but maybe not on the sovereignty of providence of God part. God finds him on the boat. Big storm comes up. God sends a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. They're trying to save the ship. But where's Jonah? Jonah has gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Where's Jonah in the middle of the storm? He's asleep. He's he's out. And even the heathens come down to him and say to him, the captain comes and says to him, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. People, the storms are raging all around us. I mean, just look around at the world, at life, at your own life at the situations and circumstances. Storms are all around you. Now is not the time to sleep. Now is the time to wake up and act and call upon our God. To say, God, move in my family, move in my children, move in my relationships, move in my workplace. God, I'm crying out to you to move in, in ways that, that, that your glory will be manifest. That freedom would indeed come. Third. Not only do we need to be diligent. Not only do we need to act. We need to realize that we live in an age where deception is all around us. We need the truth of God. Here's the sluggard again. In Proverbs. The sluggard says there's a lion outside or... I will be murdered in the street. That's verse 13. Verse 16, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Well, what is this saying? The dude is deceived. How do you say that? Well, there's no lion. He's not going to be murdered in the street. He's using this idea of fear to freeze him from acting as God has called him to act and he's wiser in his own eyes. Listen, I know this was written a thousand years or something before Jesus came, but could it not have been written today? I'm so afraid to go out. I'm so afraid to engage. I'm so afraid to do this because this is going to happen to me or that's going to happen to me. I, I, I mean, we live in an age where it seems as if Every person is wiser than his own eyes than those who are really wise. As a result, this crisis of deception. See, here's the big deal. You act, I said last time you act, and are diligent based upon what you believe to be true. Whether it's true or not is in some aspects irrelevant because it'll still cause you to act in that way. Now, I'm not saying truth is irrelevant. I'm just saying the way you act is based upon your perception of what is true and not true. So if you're deceived, you're going to act upon that level of deception. And nobody thinks they're deceived. I mean, who would go around saying, hey, you know what, I'm deceived, but I love it here. This is the way I'm deceived. I'm going to walk in this deception. No, everybody thinks they're right. How do we figure out what is true? We need to hear from God. We need the spirit of truth to act upon our lives. One of the great examples I've used of this and tragic examples is the example of Samson. You remember Samson? Strong guy, weak character. Um, falls in love with the wrong woman. So many lessons here. Um, falls in love with the wrong woman who is selling him out to the enemy, the Philistines. And... Um, <clears throat> She says to him, hey, what's the source of your strength? And he talks about bowstrings strings and new ropes and new hairdos and uh, things like that. And every time he tells her, she does it, and then a cry rings out, the Philistines are upon us. He gets off, he breaks the bowstrings. he breaks the ropes, he shakes out his new hairdo, and he goes out and he whips the Philistines. Now, obviously, there's a lot of lessons here. Samson's not that bright, first of all, I think. I mean, because he keeps telling her, and it keeps happening, and then he keeps... But he finally tells her the truth, that his strength comes from God, and the vow that's been made, that Nazarite vowed to not cut his hair. And so, she acts upon him. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I think every believer should underline this in his Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Felt the same. I'm feeling good. I'm still strong. I'm still Samson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. And do what I've done before in my own strength. But he didn't know God had left him. See, this is a crisis of deception. We think that everything is as it was before. But it's not because we've fallen asleep. We've ceased to be diligent. We've become, I hate to say, spiritual sluggards. But that's, for many of us, what we are. And that's why this time of prayer and fasting is so critical. Because... Jesus used this parable about what happens when you're asleep. Well, one of the things that happens when you're asleep is the enemy sows bad seed. There's just so many spiritual parallels here, people. I mean, obviously, there's, we need to wake up. Here's the idea. We need to wake up. How are we going to wake up? Well, we're going to wake up by praying, actively engaging with God. And by denying ourselves some of the things that have fed us and caused us to fall asleep. Understand the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up. Because our salvation is nearer than now than we first believed. Ephesians says this, it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I I know, again, this passage is mixed in its meaning in the idea of waking up and eternity. But at the same time, there is this make the most of every opportunity. Wake up. Make the most of the time. Jesus to his followers. We've already said. Stay awake so that you don't fall into temptation. My friends. My family. Here's my cry for us today. It's time to wake up. For each and every one of us. Wherever you are. I want to encourage you to examine your heart and your life to see God where in the areas have I ceased to be diligent where am I not acting upon what you told me is true God where am I deceived because only God can really show you that through his power and his might and his spirit and I want to encourage you to to say over these next 21 days how can I how can I engage with God how can I not be a sluggard? How can I not be lazy? And at the same time, how can I deny my flesh in order to seek after him? <clears throat> I say this every year, but for somebody in this room, this 21 days is critical for you. May not be everybody engaged right now, but there are some people in this room. This is, this is like a pivotal moment in your life. And, you know, here's the idea. You may not even know that this is the pivotal moment. This is the moment where you may choose to go this way or you choose to go this way. And, and, and if you don't engage with God right now, I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm just trying to say, engage and see what God will do. It, it's not going to be bad. No matter what happens, whether it's monumental or just minor, it's still good. It'll still be good. In your seat, there's a prayer card. I'd like for you to take that prayer card and just put your name down and something that you would like to see God do in these next 21 days. And then um, in a moment, we're going to have an offering and bring the offering to the front. And I'd like you to bring these prayer cards. And here's, here's our promise. We'll pray for you. Every day for the next 21 days, we'll pray for this prayer request to be fulfilled in your life over the next 21, 21 days. Put something, it can be something minor or it can be something spectacular. We believe that those ranges don't work for God because everything is incredible in his hands. I'm going to give you a moment to fill that out just take a moment think about what you would like to see God do in your life and it may be as simple as this God I need you to wake me up I need truth in my life I need to walk in your power and your might and your your vision I'll give you a minute and then after that Scott's gonna come up give you some opportunities for service as we prepare our offering and uh, get ready to worship him, and then Craig will lead us in a song, and we'll bring our offering and our prayer requests to the front.
1: As Christians, we worship and live in light of God's self-revelation, in creation, in the moral law found throughout humanity, in the incarnation of God's Son, and in the scriptures. In all of these, God has chosen to disclose himself to us. What is theology? Very simply, theology is an attempt to make sense of God's revelation. Join me this spring as together we consider how the people of God have wrestled over and come to understand some of the most critical confessions of our faith, like the Trinity. What do we mean when we confess that we worship one God revealed as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Why does it matter that Christians believe Jesus is fully God and fully man? We'll ask, How did we get our Bible? Who decided what scrolls were in and which ones were out? Those are the kind of questions we'll discuss in our upcoming class in the Fullness Academy. Intro to Christian Theology.
2: All right. Well, yeah, like Gabriel said, if you're interested in diving a little deeper into theology, and we believe here at Fullness, I think we believe that theology is for the church, it's not just for the academy, um, but it's to strengthen and build up the church. And so that's a great opportunity for you to dive a little deeper into theology. And uh, you can sign up if you want to take part in this Wednesday night class, Fullness Academy. You can sign up at fullness.life. The classes are going to kick off here in just a few weeks. As you're continuing to, to write your, your prayer requests, um, you can also give your, your tithes and your offerings. And remember, we Fullness, we... We say that we don't give out of duty or obligation, but we give out of gratefulness and thanksgiving, out of the goodness of God to us. And it's our way of saying, God, this represents all of me. I give back to you out of what you have given to me. Um, have you just a few things to make you aware of. These are pretty much all prayer related. As Pastor Bart has said, we have morning prayer at 6 a.m., Monday through Friday. Um, and I know that not everybody can make it, but let me just say this. Um, when you come, it helps, you, it helps remind you that, we're in this together. We're seeking the Lord together. I'm not just seeking the Lord for myself, but I'm seeking the Lord with my brothers and sisters. And it just, it it strengthens that sense of community. Um, So if you can come out to the morning prayer, 6am Monday through Friday or 9am on Saturday. If you can't make the morning happen, come out on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we have 630 prayer here in this room. Come out and pray with us. Wednesday night. And then also related to prayer, um, one of our important values here at Fullness is on Sunday mornings, we like to pray for each other. We did it this morning. A lot of times we pray for, have prayer teams come up at the front and then you can come and receive prayer. If you are interested in being part of our prayer team, one of our people that comes for when Pastor Bart calls up the prayer team and intercedes for others in our body who need prayer, if you would like to become part of that or even just find out more of what it's like what it means to be part of that there's going to be a prayer team ministry um a training coming up here on sunday january 15th 12 p.m and uh so you can come out that's not like guaranteeing that you're signing up for it but if you just want to find out more about what it looks like to be part of our prayer ministry teams come to that um you do need to sign up if you need child care um, so let Gabriel know if you need child care to come on January 15th to that prayer team ministry training. Um, just let Gabriel know. And I think that's all I have. Uh, oh, also remember, if you didn't already grab one, grab one of these. These are awesome. These are going to guide us through the next 21 days. So grab one of these on your way out. Um, let's stand up, continue to worship. Bring your prayer cards and your offerings to the front. <laughs>
3: It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises. There is a sound. There is a sound. To hear is the sound of the Savior's robe as He walks into the room where people pray. Where we worship, He hears pay Come mm-hmm. oh, wake us up, alone. Oh, hey. Awake my soul and sing, sing His praise aloud, sing His praise aloud. Wake my soul and sing, sing His praise There is a sound, there is a sound that changes things. It's the sound of his people on that leaves. wake up, you slumbering, it's time to worship him away. My soul, let sing. Sing his praise, aloud. Sing his praise, So let sing, sing his face aloud, sing his face aloud And when he moves and when we play Western sure world now stands away where every promise is safe Mistake the gates are floating in the shade.
0: my um my siblings whose church wasn't even meeting today I'm like why not anyway glad you're here hope that god has blessed you today hey you know i got out of town for a week and uh ruthie drew gets engaged uh, to tommy so congratulations guys if i'd have been in town i'm not sure i would let that happen but we're glad tommy that you it's good to have you as a part of fullness buddy And we'll look forward to what God's doing in the days ahead. Uh, Also, please pick up your prayer guide as you leave this Wednesday night. I'm sure Scott mentioned it, but we have prayer at first Wednesday, here, come. And then on the final Sunday night, I think it's the 22nd, we have a time of celebration on that Sunday evening where we come and talk about what God has done in these 21 days. So expect God to move. Watch Him move write it down so you won't forget this is kind of like here i raised my Ebenezer. this is the idea of marking what god has done in your life when god has done something great and then come and share as a part of the family of faith so that we can together celebrate what god does both individually and then corporately in these 21 days amen it's going to be great going to see God do great things. If you want to jump ahead, read Isaiah 58. I'll be talking about what a true fast, and then I'm going to be talking about some specific fasts from the Bible where God moves in specific ways in the nation of Israel and people's lives, and we're going to fast for freedom to see what God will do in the days ahead. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. God bless you, I love you so much. Have a great day in the Lord.